Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. You just have to be very careful and not make dumb errors and be alert to a different angle. This is what the best attorneys do. They don't cut corners. They figure out the way to come up with the best solutions. People that have a lot of work are getting work because they do good work and they're not cutting corners. And so they have a reputation for doing good work. Okay, so the next one uh, is getting along with the people you work with. I've talked about this a lot already at the beginning, so I'm not going to talk too much more about that. But um, a lot of people will have conflicts with their peers. If you have problems getting along with other people, there are therapists, not therapists, but coaches that specialize in things called uh, executive functioning that you should uh, understand. Um, a lot of people in the legal profession have uh, psychological problems. You could be mildly bipolar or something that's going to make you mad at people. Uh, you should talk to a psychiatrist if you have those. A lot of people have become good attorneys because they um, have conflicts with their parents that they're trying to prove something. Um, I, I don't care why it is. Again, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, uh, but you need to fix your issues with other people and what's making you angry. Uh, I talk to men all the time that are mad at their fathers. I talk to women that are mad at their mothers. Uh, all these and have conflicts with women and conflicts with women having conflicts with women and men having conflicts with men because you're dealing with father and mother figure. I don't care. Like I'm not, you know, everyone has this. Uh, people have anger issues towards their parents because their parents were abusive or drank or something. You should go to Al-Anon if you have that. I mean, I don't know what your issues are, and but this is a big deal. Uh, a lot of people have problems getting along with others, uh, lose their tempers. They have all sorts of resentments and anger and other issues. And this, by the way, is what all these self-help programs do for people, like whether it's um, therapy or AA or Al-Anon or NA. I mean, this is what they all do is they help people deal with these sorts of issues uh, that have because um, and they take people through kind of a program. I speak with people all the time uh, that get fired and because other people don't like working with them. Uh, I had uh, a council level attorney from a big firm I was speaking with not too long ago that was fired because no one he supervised would work with him. Uh, that's hard to deal with. Uh, he had a very combative style and he lost his position, you know, not because of that. I talk to people uh, all the time that can't get along with their peers. Uh, they partners get into arguments about staffing issues with their former partners and they sit around instead of feeling good about their jobs, which again, I'm not saying that job's perfect, but they get mad about these things and, uh, and they don't stick around. Uh, there are certain people, by the way, that go into a, wherever they work, put their head down and work hard and they allow karma to unfold and they end up doing well. Other people fight about everything and that hurts them. And people leave over stupid issues or partners leave firms every two years because they always get in fights for three years and they take their associates with them. I talk to associates like that all the time. Um, associates often snap at partners and say something to support them. They're asked to leave or give a poor review. Uh, male attorneys, this is very, very common. At every firm I've ever been at and every firm out there, this is a problem. Uh, guys, just be very upfront with you. You do not want to have any romantic relationships with whatsoever in your office, whether it's with a paralegal or legal secretary, whether it's with another attorney, whether it's with a senior attorney, a junior attorney, whatever. It is the dumbest freaking thing you ever can do. It's very easy to meet people on dating apps and things. Don't keep this out of the freaking office. Um, it will get you in trouble. It's bad judgment. There's no reason for it. Um, I was working with a partner not too long ago. He was uh, the head of the corporate practice group at one of the largest law firms in the United States in their office in Chicago. And it came out that he had had uh, two or three years previously a romantic interlude with a paralegal. 
Okay, that's it. Just a paralegal and his firm. They found out about it, and not only did they fire him, but they blackballed him, and he lost everything. He, I mean, and he couldn't get another job. He had to start some private equity firm or something. Like, this is serious business, guys and girls. Well, guys, I'm talking to you right now. You do not want to screw around with anybody in your own firm. It's going to screw, you're going to be in so much freaking trouble. Like you just can't even go near this. This is the most toxic possible thing you can do. Now you can certainly maybe get away with it, but it's he said, she said, and when things go badly, I had a friend that was at the NFL making $500,000 a year um, that before that he was not even working. And he walked up to a girl that he'd been working with late at night at a staff meeting and he walked up behind her and he said uh, she was his peer, meaning she was also making $500,000 a year in the same job. And she was his peer. And he, he put his hands on her neck and he said, you're doing all right after last night. And he got fired in blackball. I mean, this is serious. Like, I mean, they, they fired him. They brought in attorneys. They publicly put an announcement out in the press that he was fired for sexual harassment. Like, come on. Like, this is the most toxic possible thing you can go near. And you're going to get, you will get burned to the stake. I mean, it's not even, and I I see this all the time. Uh, Law firms are all over it and they won't tolerate it. You do not want to have any same-sex relationships or opposite-sex relationships with anyone in your workplace. I would also just caution you, this is another thing, if you are friends with people in the workplace and you tell them personal information, you should assume that that personal information will be known by the entire frickin' firm. So I had an instance once where, um, this is actually kind of funny, where I was, um, I got in a fight with uh, someone in a restaurant, uh, some sort of one of these 80s uh, Rat Pack people, Judd Nelson. And um, I got in this huge fight with him uh, because he said something really rude to me. I said, you look familiar. And he said, you know, leave me alone, dude. I, you know, leave me the hell alone or something. And then I was like, what are you talking about? And then he pushed me and it turned into, I don't know, but it was something along those lines. This is years ago. And, um, and anyway, and so I ran out to the car and I came out and later I told my friend what happened. Well, the whole firm knew about it the next day. And I started getting these emails from partners, like nice job. I mean, I didn't want to be known as someone that's fighting with people and and uh, restaurant bathrooms. So any, anything you tell your friends, just keep in mind, it's going to go out to the entire firm. Uh, but this same-sex, opposite-sex relationships, romantic, just needs to be big no-no. Uh, women, uh, no. I, I, again, I don't want to talk to women because I don't want to be said as sexist. But uh, I, I would also say, you know, you need to be extremely careful as well because you don't know how uh, this information will be interpreted by people. And everyone just needs to be really freaking careful. And uh, I've seen women attorneys lose their job because they were partners and someone was an associate. I mean, it's just, you got to be really careful. And I, I'm not going to even touch the women issue because I, who knows what would happen to me, but everyone needs to be careful. Uh, you cannot lock yourself in your office or if you're working remotely, not ever coming to the office. Um, people that do that often do not get work and receive poor reviews. Uh, more often than not, this sort of behavior drives them crazy uh, because they don't know the social goings on in the offices, cliques form and all sorts of things that where work is distributed and they're not part of and it can hurt you. Uh, one attorney I spoke with, uh, you know, this is uh, written pre-COVID, this, uh, in this, you know, got depressed through bad reviews and didn't come to work for almost two weeks. And when he returned, um, you know, told the worm, that he was upset uh, about his bad review and was fired. So people get fired for this sort of stuff. You know, you can't um, do this. So you need to work yourself and your social skills to sit in a big law firm. Um, I was talking to a mentee of mine 
uh, today that was at uh, at a big firm, like a well-regarded New York-based or where firm, and I had gotten mad at him about some stuff uh, a while ago, and now he's afraid of me or doesn't, you know, afraid of ruining our relationship by uh, allowing me to help him with information again. And um, and he said, I'm just afraid. And I was like, well, if you have a problem, like you need to confront it. So anytime you have a problem with people, like if you're fighting with people, you need to move in and get closer and just start talking to them and uh, and fix it. You don't want that tension. If you have a problem with a partner, you need to walk in and say, listen, can I do some work to make it up with you? You don't allow all these tensions to fester. Uh, these social skills, by the way, are extremely important. If you do well at them, you're going to do well. And you always need to show um, your best side in the office. Uh, the next decision is not cutting corners. Um, everyone's going to get exposed. If you cut corners, uh, you're going to look bad and your work's not going to be trusted. Uh, every assignment you get, you need to think through. You need to make sure you're not making dumb errors and always be alert uh, to different er- things. If you make dumb errors, um, then you could be um, exposed. I, I saw there, there's this thing in, uh, in litigation where uh, if you if you have these things called requests for admission, which are basically a law a cannibal law firm. Anyway, you have to attach what's called the verification. And if you don't, everything is deemed admitted and you could lose a case. I've seen people lose their jobs for failing to get a verification from the client. I mean, you just have to be very careful and not make dumb errors and be alert to different angles. And this is, you know, 50. Uh, I've seen people, I, I, I know one guy that uh, had a law firm in uh, Los Angeles, I think it was called um, Rudder Hobbs, and they made a super mysterious uh, procedural mistake against this law firm that had been around for 30 plus years, and uh, maybe it was 50 years, I guess, 50 years old firm, but the whole firm had to shut down because of some procedural mistake made by a senior associate. I mean, come on, this is serious stuff. I know lots of people that have made uh, serious procedural errors due to cutting corners that got them fired from their jobs. I knew one guy that was at Folding and Lardner or some big firm like that. And again, I'm not going to quote it. He was about ready to make partner. And um, someone asked him if he'd sent a letter to a client. And he said yes. And then the law firm found out that he hadn't and fired him. So right when he was about ready to make partner. So this stuff happens. And, uh, you know, a lot of people miss issues. And when this happens, uh, you know, you can be in a lot of trouble. Uh, a lot of people have worked for me and made stupid errors. I see it all the time. I see people just making bad judgment. I, I had one attorney working for me. I was sending out some letters about student loans or something to, I don't know, like 180,000 people or something. And someone sent him an email, said, you want this to go out pre-sort or first class? And without even knowing the difference between the two, he said, first class, well, if you send something out pre-sort, it's like 12 cents a letter. If you send it out first class, it's like 50 so he cost me like $40,000 or whatever the number was. And I was like, this is really freaking bad judgment. Like, like people make these mistakes all the time. Uh, I've seen people, you know, it's just, you can't do it. You need to be very careful. Um, again, this is the stuff about the letter, uh, getting fired. Um, uh, so you just can't cut corners. You need to be as thorough as possible. Um, and if you do cut corners, everyone's just going to stop giving you work. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, 
which only lists jobs that companies pay to post. We include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. And one issue, one assignment, and you can lose your job. This is why people are paying you hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in big firms is because you're expected to have the ability not to cut corners. And again, if you cut corners and you get the reputation for that, um, then uh, and not pretend this is the job of attorneys. The job of an attorney is not to cut corners. It's to um, anticipate problems and not make sure uh, that this stuff happens. And it's why clients and other attorneys give you work to do. And the more careful you are and the less likely you are to cut corners, the better attorney you are. So listen, like you may have these ideas of like, you know, watching television and thinking what a good attorney is. You may be in a bad firm and not understand what a good attorney is. But this is the whole thing I'm telling you. When you're in these really big firms, like this is what they do. They don't cut corners. They don't make mistakes. That's why big clients trust them. Now they do make mistakes, but they make them less often. And this is why big clients trust them. This is why courts trust their work. It's because they're going in this level of detail. This is the job of an attorney, by the way. Your job of an attorney is to not cut corners and and be good at this. And so this is just all there is to it. I'm sorry, but this is your job. This is what you have to do. This is, if you don't like it, do something else. But this is how you, this is what the best attorneys do. They don't cut corners. They figure out the way to come up with the best solutions. Uh, billing more hours than your peers. The quality of your work is definitely one measure, but billing hours is a sign that you're willing to work harder. It's also a sign that other people are willing to give you work to do and that you take what you do seriously. So uh, the more work you have, uh, the more likely it is you have this work because you have a reputation uh, for doing good work among your coworkers. So uh, people that have a lot of work are getting work because they do good work and they're not cutting corners. And so they have a reputation for doing good work. They're also making uh, money from the firm. So if you're a firm, by the way, and you're paying someone $200,000 and your billing rates say, I don't know, this $500,000 or $500 an hour, one person's billing uh, 2,000 hours and bringing in a million, um, and the other person's billing 3,000 hours and bringing in 1.5 million, and the law firm is saying, who's more valuable to us? Well, come on. Someone that's generating an extra you know, $500,000 a year for them is definitely more valuable. So this is all there is to it. I mean, it's very simple. Um, this is, I've talked to you in this, this case before, but I was, I was giving notice at, uh, this is, I think it was Quinn Emanuel. And they were, they basically came into my office and, um, a couple guys were trying to talk me into staying. And I told them I was upset about investing so much time into this firm when it seemed my odds of making partner, it would be so difficult to make partner there because uh, someone that I was close with didn't make partner. And one of the partners said to me something very funny, but he said, well, the people that didn't make partner were billing, you know, 25 to 2,800 hours or something. I, I don't know the exact number. And the person who did were, was billing 3,200 hours. This is all they said. So again, again, I may have the numbers wrong. It might have been 3,000 versus 33 or something. But point is, is that's what happened. So again, throughout my years of practicing law, and I was a legal placement professional, uh, I just keep seeing the importance of people having billable hours. Um, I see people lose their job all the time for not having hours. I see um, I, I see people that don't participate and tr- get more work losing their job. It's just, this is the game. So being detailed is a game, but so is the hours. It's the game. It's, it's what you have to do. So, uh, you know, this is how law firms measure your value, the quality of your work, the quality of your relationship with your peers, and the extent of your economic contribution to the firm. I mean, this is all they have to go on. So what, why wouldn't you give them that? Um, you know, the decisions are often made in hours. In, in most large law firms, they get 
reports every week about, uh, so it's kind of funny. So judges, for example, will, they compare each other based on uh, the number of cases they have pending in their docket. So judges a lot of times will try to get rid of cases very quickly. They don't like having, because then they compare each other to that. Well, in large law firms, the partners get reports every week, or sometimes every month of every associate's hours, like who's at the top, who's at the bottom. And so if you're an associate and billing a lot of hours and walking down the hall, that's why you're getting a lot of smiles uh, because you're billing the most hours and they see it. So uh, why wouldn't you want to bill a lot of hours? I mean, this is your contribution. Um, and no matter how you slice it, the hours you bill are going to determine your future in every firm. So this is what you need to do. And you bill every hour you possibly can. If you're thinking about something in the shower and you really are, you build a quarter, you know, build a 15 minute increment or whatever that your firm, I mean, this is what you do. You figure out how to bill as many hours as you can. The firm will write off your hours that they don't want to bill, but you bill every hour you can. This is your job. You figure out how to bill every single second. You're thinking about this stuff and all the work you're doing in an ethical way to bill as many hours as you can because that's your job. Now, if you think you're billing too many hours, that's not your decision. The partner or whoever will write off your time if they think it's too much, but you bill every time, every second you can because this is the only way you're being evaluated. Why wouldn't you? Uh, no one's going to tell you, by the way, to bill more hours or that you should be billing more hours. They'll just kind of give you negative reviews and feedback. They're not going to tell you. No one's ever going to come and say, you're not billing enough hours. So I want to make sure everyone understands this. Uh, you're only judged by the hours you write down. So what are you going to do? So you're going to have to think about billing, how you can bill as many hours as you can in an ethical way. Uh, it, it's just very important. You could read an article about something related to your practice area if you think it's interesting or when you're on vacation and you can bill for that theoretically, if it's research related, I mean, there's so many things you can do uh, to make your hours high, but no one's going to tell you this stuff. And I'm telling you it right now, the law firm, it's their decision to write it off. And the partners, you write down what you did and, and leave it at that. And if they want to, you know, my entire time practicing law, no one ever called me and said, this is too many hours on something. I had a funny thing happen. This is actually a, a true story. I was at this firm, Dewey Ballantyne. I wanted to have the highest hours among the associates, which everyone should be trying to do. And But they didn't have a lot of work. So one day someone said to me, uh, go research uh, these matters for us. And uh, and, and I was uh, like a month away from, uh, and there was no other work at the time. The firm was losing partners. It was having all these problems. And it was some case about a hospital. So they go research this matter about such and such. So I was like, no problem. So I went and, uh, and I knew if I was going to get the highest hours at the firm, I would need to bill, um, you know, I don't know, 300 hours that month or something, you know, whatever the number was. And so, and uh, I went and Xeroxed every article I could find about this issue. I or hadn't Xeroxed uh, and, uh, and read it. And then I uh, put notes on it and put together outlines and all the stuff and, uh, and made my 300 hours. Well, a month or two later, uh, I got a call from a partner. This is the only time anybody ever questioned my hours. And they said, can you show us the research you did? And I said, sure, no problem. And I had like five or six bankers boxes filled with everything. In addition to this like 70 or 80 page memo I wrote, because no one told me I didn't have, I could work as many hours as I wanted. So I did, that's what I did. I worked as many hours and they were blown away. And, um, and then, um, and then I was, the funny thing was, is then I was walking down um, the, the hall later and um, I saw these flashes and um, there were some partners standing around, like going like this, like kind of thought it was funny. And um, they were taking pictures of all the work that I'd done uh, to send to the client with a bill. 
which was because uh, they had all the uh, big conference room table, all the articles and bankers boxes lined up. So you guys, it's easy to make lots of hours, even if there's no work in your firm is what I'm telling you. This is the game. So um, the next one is, um, and this is the flashes because back then the cameras. Anyway, so having a long-term view of your career instead of a short-term one is the, the 11th uh, one. So, you know, whether in your early 20s or even in your late 50s, you still have the option to take a long-term or short-term version of your legal career. Uh, the long-term view means that you should make every decision with the understanding that it's going to have ramifications for the rest of your career. A lot of young attorneys make stupid uh, long-term decisions. Again, you're practicing, uh, even if you're in your 50s, you can practice for another 40-plus years. I've moved attorneys with big books of business, like eight or nine million, uh, or one I'm thinking of had like 11, in their 80s. Come on. I mean, the president's in his 80s. So think about this. I just want you to understand this. Like, just because things aren't going well in your 20s or your 30s or even your 40s, I mean, this is insane. So a lot of people will quit their jobs, and then they'll wait six months longer to start a position. And by the time they wait to start a position, they've sent the message that they're not really serious about their careers. And it's very difficult. Large law firms don't hire people that have taken time off. Now, I'll tell you about a really nice law firm, Davis Polk. I was talking to someone there the other day, and it was just a, someone of a friend or something. And, uh, and she, uh, this Davis Polk, by the way, what a freaking awesome firm. It's one of the best firms in the country. I mean, but the point is that this firm, uh, had some woman had taken time off uh, when she was a second or third year associate to go have a baby. Well, uh, time off turned into 20 plus years. And then when she came back and said, I want to go back to work, they said, no problem. And there she is back on the partnership track again, 20 years later. This is Davis Polk. What an awesome firm. So I've been just putting a shout out for that firm to say, uh, this is the kind of stuff really good firms do, but most firms don't. Most firms, uh, if you leave and you're gone for six months, uh, will um, not allow you to come back. And it's very difficult to get a job in another firm. Uh, other attorneys will quit jobs for dumb reasons. So uh, to the extent the legal market, um, you know, to the legal market, if you quit your job for dumb reasons, it's going to look like you've been fired. And uh, most high quality law firms uh, have plenty of people to choose from. So if you're a law firm and you want to hire someone, who are you going to hire? And you get 100, you get 50 applications, you're going to hire someone that looks like they were fired or someone that took all this time off? Are you going to hire someone uh, that you know is likely to um, to stick around. I, I don't know. What would you do? That's what I certainly would do. Uh, someone or someone not stick around, but someone that hasn't been fired. Because someone that's fired, there could be all these hidden problems. There could be potential sexual harassment in the background. There could be problems with the work, line, detail, all these things. And this is what law firms want to avoid. And again, going in-house, the government, public interest, or small firms, if you want to do, if you want to go back to a major law firm, you cannot make these decisions. You have to stick in, in the same type of uh, milieu that you're in right now. And these decisions, uh, I, I just want you to understand, deciding because you're not getting along with someone in your firm, which again, you should go and confront the problem, or you don't like your hours or other problems, uh, you should be uh, making sure that you do everything within your power uh, to fix those things and stick at the front, stick around at the firm. Because uh, if you go and take some job or quit or time off, it's going to cost you tens uh, of millions of dollars or at least millions and probably lost compensation and maybe even happiness if you have your own business in a law firm uh, later. Now, this decision, uh, I can't emphasize enough. Uh, this is very important. This is fixing your mental, physical, and other issues so you can be the best employee possible. I just want to make sure I make a point here because 
Um, I never realized this till I was much older. And this is a very important point. Your mind is what you're selling. Shouldn't you do everything within your power to take care of your mind? Um, You're selling your mind. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. Is it smart to pollute it with alcohol and drugs? Is it smart if you have psychological problems not to fix that with therapy? Is it smart if you have some sort of chemical imbalance not to get some prescriptions or whatever that are going to help you? Is it smart part if you have problems with stress not to meditate? Is it smart not to get sleep if you have problems with... Is it smart to uh, not work on your anger issues? Is it smart not to you know, have the best mind possible? Because you're selling your mind. Uh, your mind is what helps you make decisions. Your physical status also impacts your performance. Uh, all these things are important. You're selling your mind. So why wouldn't that be the one thing you take care of? Um, your mental issues, by the way, can be caused you could be in a relationship with the opposite sex or the same sex, a romantic relationship with someone that's negative and putting you down all the time. Uh, and that could affect your happiness. You could be in some in a relationship with someone that's helping you and making and you have to decide what's going to make you the best person possible. Um, most, uh, a lot of attorneys are very unhappy. Uh, I was talking to, um, and this is a very important statement. Uh, I was talking to uh, one of our women that works for me, um, that if you work with us, you probably know, Carlene Trapp, a couple of days ago. And, and she was saying, you know, most of the attorneys I talked to are unhappy. Wow. Um, but again, there's ones that aren't. There's a lot of them that are very, very happy. But a lot of attorneys end up going off the rails. Um, I've watched more partners and associates than I can count uh, destroy themselves with drug and alcohol problems or function way below their potential, um, living far below their potential. I, I know uh, so many attorneys that are just freaking out of control, not alcoholics and, uh, and others. I know so many people that have died. I mean, um, it's not good. Uh, you know, you can get very unhealthy. So many people, they die of heart attacks, uh, cancer, um, other things that I think are stress-induced and caused by not taking care of themselves. If you're exposing yourself to stress every day and you don't have an outlet, your body is going to self-destruct and give you cancer and kill yourself. I mean, it's just how it works. Uh, if you abuse your mind and stuff, two or three of my best friends from high school um, are dead. Like, you know, and I used to have a lot of fun with beer and uh, going out every week, and uh, but they just kept going. Uh, and, uh, and I, same thing in my fraternity, like I told you, like, so again, this stuff, uh, you know, and then I remember, uh, I was funny. I was one of, someone called me, this is like five years ago. And, you know, and again, there's one of my friends, I mean, he's, you know, early forties or whatever. And, uh, my best friend in high school, I don't remember, but the, and, um, and I was like, God, I can't believe he's dead too. And like, and so-and-so died and so-and-so died. And these are all people. And they're like, and I was like, but these are all guys that kept, you know, drinking or uh, using drugs. And he, and he said something like, well, yeah, who would have thought? Like, so again, all this stuff kills you. It's not, it's none of this, you know, and, and the stress kills you. I've had uh, people just, you know, there was an attorney that was working in one of my offices and, and he died in my office, I think. And I remember a real estate agent that came by that was leasing and he said, you know, he just held everything inside. He held all the stress inside. I have so many attorneys, like I'll look up guys. I had a really nice guy that was a partner at Baker and Botts and 
um, and um, and he was a candidate of mine. I got he was English, and I got him a job in uh, London. He never took it, and he was uh, but he was from the United States, but he was born in England or something. He worked really hard and became partner. And then you know one day he went home. This is when he was in his late thirties, early forties, and you know he got home and woke up dead or something the next morning. I mean, it's I mean, he didn't wake up, but I mean, he was dead the next morning. I mean, his body just stopped. I know people that have died in airports and it's just, you know, you got to, and again, th- these are abnormal deaths. It's not that you know, people don't die. You have to take care of yourself. And this is extremely important. And if you're not, you need to fix whatever's wrong with you. And uh, I certainly, you know, offer counseling sometimes to attorneys, but I mean, like this is big stuff. I mean, it's huge and because it kills people. I mean, I, I, I don't want you to die. I mean, I don't want anyone on this call to die from practicing law and it does kill people. Wow. I mean, I read an article called another attorney I know just died young, not too long ago. And uh, it's very sad. I mean, it's very, very common. Um, and um, a lot of people I know have had uh, mental breakdowns. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, there's uh, partners and firms having mental breakdowns all the time associates, you know, it's going on all the time. These are caused by the stress. Uh, stress often brings about other mental conditions uh, uh, that may be underlying things that have happened to you when you're young. Uh, sometimes people stress, I mean, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things that happen to people. Some people might be sexually abused when they're young and only remember it years later when they get therapy. I mean, it's causing all this anger. I mean, like th- there's so many problems and drama and things people have and it affects you for the rest of your life. And you need to address it because it's going to hurt you in your career. So I'm just trying to help you in your career right now and tell you the things you need to do. But you've had trauma. Everyone on this call has probably had trauma. And uh, and if you don't address it, it's going to negatively affect your career. Um, a lot of attorneys will become uh, anorexic because it's the only source of control that they have, or they'll become obese, meaning, uh, again, I'm not an expert in obesity or anorexia, but I certainly have studied it because I've seen it hurt people. And it's usually the only source of control. They can eat as much and then that they can control their food or they can you know, it's sad. I mean, again, I'm not an expert in this and I don't want to scare people and act like any, by any source of the imagination. I understand this. That's one, probably one of a thousand causes of it, but one is just, you know, you try to get control or comfort or something in this stressful thing. And, um, and everyone's human and everyone, um, has all these problems. Now, I do want to tell you one thing again. If you have problems, if you have psychological problems, if you have, substance abuse problems, the last thing in the world you should do would be tell people in the firm about it because I'm sorry, people will use that information against you uh, and you just have to be careful. Now, you may have to at some point tell people about it, but even if you tell HR about it, it's likely to get out to the partners. I mean, you have to be very careful about it, but you need to fix it. If you're if you're drinking, uh, you should go to you know AA meetings or do whatever you can to fix it and do it on your free time and become a better person. If you're um, you know if you have problems with sex abuse, you go to a sex I mean sex I mean uh, whatever a sex addiction. I mean whatever your issues are, you need to find out how to fix them because it's going to help you. If you're paranoid, you need to get medication. Or I, again, I'm not telling you to take medication, but you need to fix out whatever your problems are uh, because your mind is what you're selling and. And you need to be in control, smart and present. Um, you need to show people your positive side and be the best you can be. I remember, uh, this is a story I like to tell, but um, when I was a summer associate in this big New York law firm, the top partner, the one that had the most business, uh, was someone was, was saying, you know, that uh, when you walk in a room, uh, if you're charging $1,000 an hour, or whatever it was back then, you need to look like the person that's most in control um, and has it most together. And that's why I wear these expensive suits and work out 10 times a week and all this stuff, because I want to look like that sort of person. And that's exactly what you need to do. 
Um, again, now these are later career decisions as the, the final part of this uh, webinar. Um, the one is moving jobs or not. So um, my business is moving attorneys between law firms. Again, well, if you talk to me, uh, I invited, for example, all of my candidates to this call today. Um, I will tell you more often than not, uh, you know, maybe 51% of the time not to move jobs and 49% I will. Uh, I don't care. I mean, there's uh, people want my help and uh, I don't need to convince people to move firms. Uh, if you're my candidate, I won't even call you on the phone and convince you to take an offer. I mean, it's you have to make the decision that's right for you. I'm not a salesman. This is farthest thing from it. Um, I've already discussed this to some extent on this call. Um, but again, moving firms for the wrong reasons can have disastrous effects on your career, uh, while moving for the right reasons can have good decisions. So when I work with someone, I always look at their resume and like, can I help this person move upwarders or something that looks good about them. And so the best resumes typically show this upward mobility and the worst resumes show the opposite. So they're just a series of bad decisions like, you know, being in a big firm then opening your own practice and then going in-house and then going to work for the government or who knows, just these dumb things that have no continuity to them. Uh, this is not your resume and career decisions that shouldn't be fun. Uh, they should be smart and thought out. It should be people that are, you should be listening to things like I'm talking about and and reading articles and figuring out. But if you want to work in a law firm uh, and get other jobs, you should look like you're moving towards something greater uh, and not achieving. Like your resume should have uh, different things on it that are like, this decision was good. This decision was good. This decision was good. Um, if you want to be an insurance attorney, like insurance defense, you should be on all these committees and have it start and, and go to these presentations and and be in these groups and everything's about being great at insurance defense. I don't care what practice area you do. You may not think uh, being a family law attorney is uh, prestigious or whatever, but the people that commit to these things have great careers. Did you know, I mean, there's a, in LA, I mean, you can be a family law attorney, make millions of dollars a year. You can be any type of attorney and do well. It doesn't matter. It's about having some sort of focus. And, um, and if you don't have any focus, uh, you're just telegraphing weakness. No one wants to hire people that doesn't know what they want to do. That's crazy. You know, that's insane. Like, I'm trying this out. I'm going to try this out. I thought about doing this. I'm going to do this. No, like that's bad because if you're an employer, you're just going to be the next rung in a ladder of someone trying to do something else. Um, I started off, I saw a resume uh, not too long ago of an attorney who impressed me. Um, she started out in the state office and investigated securities fraud at her law school. It was the only job she could get. Then she moved to a federal office uh, that investigates uh, securities fraud, which is more prestigious. Again, this is someone that went to like a third or fourth tier law school, couldn't get a job, took some state job, you know, where she was just kind of an investigator. Uh, and then um, she moved to a federal office and did the same thing, but it was more prestigious after she got some experience. Uh, federal, of course, is more prestigious in state. Then she moved to a well-regarded small firm that did plaintiff's work um, in the securities fraud space, meaning putting together these kind of securities lawsuits. Um, that was more prestigious than the government job. Then she moved to a mid-sized firm that did defense. So she moved from plaintiff, which is not as prestigious, to defense, which is even more prestigious. And then um, the larger firm had better quality attorneys. Um, and, uh, and so she became better off. And she's in her seventh year and now has the qualifications to work um, in a huge firm. She can go to work at DLA Piper or whatever. I mean, big, I mean I'm not saying that's the firm has anything to do with her search or anything. I'm just saying, a, but a firm of that caliber, um, she can get a job there now. And uh, this is someone that never could ever get a job at a firm of that caliber, whose law school probably didn't get people at jobs with firms of that caliber when they were coming out of law school. So by making a series of good long-term decisions and steadily um, and slowly moving herself to a better and better jobs, 
Um, she set herself up to become a made part of a major law firm. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break, um, and we're going to come back and do the rest of these, and then um, we will do questions. Uh, the break's going to be probably like two minutes, two to three minutes, uh, and then we'll come back and talk about when to move firms uh, and a couple other important career decisions for practicing attorneys. And then um, if you have questions, you can start putting those uh, about what's been covered so far um, into the Q&A because after um, this presentation is over and there's not much time left, we will do questions. And typically with the Q&A, I will give as much time uh, as needed to all your questions. Uh, You can ask whatever you want about anything uh, related to your career, any questions you have so far. If you're a law student, you can ask law student questions and attorneys, and um, and I typically will stick around and um, answer all these questions um, as long as you have. And this is a good opportunity to ask questions because it's also free, uh, and I'm not charging. You know, I'd obviously um, you know for time or anything. So uh, I'm happy to answer um, you know whatever questions uh, people have. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 